sometimes it seems like these past few months, the church and the body has become into more unity than ever before. And so um, it's just been beautiful to see and beautiful to see everybody here today. Um, I want to say before we, we start worshiping, um, just just have your liberty today in worship. If there's no pressure to, to stand, if you feel the need to be seated, if it's uncomfortable for you to stand, feel free to be seated and just worship the Lord. Um, I don't think he minds whether you're sitting or standing when you worship him as long as it's with a pure heart. So um, it doesn't mean everybody be seated. But if, if, you, if you feel the need to, to sit down, then, then don't, don't worry about it. Please, please do so and just worship him today. So amen. We exalt Thee. for this, but I want to sing this part. I lift my hands to you. I sing this song. I sing this song to you. I exalt you. I exalt you. Oh, Lord, I lift my hands. And I lift my hands to you. I sing this song to you. I exalt you, God. I exalt you. Oh, Lord, I exalt thee. Lord, I exalt Thee, I exalt Thee, I exalt Thee. 
Oh, oh Lord, I exalt thee one more time. I exalt thee. Hallelujah. Lord, I exalt thee. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. name I exalt you today I give you all of my worship and praise today for only you are worthy of all that I can give Jesus I give you my heart today in worship and in praise laying aside every care and every weight looking unto you today Jesus for your grace your mercy your love towards me hallelujah can we lift our hands and praise him Lord, I worship you. You are worthy, oh God. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. You are worthy of all praise. It's to you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. You are worthy of all praise. It's to you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Can we all sing that? You are awesome. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. You are worthy of all praise. It's to you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, Mighty God, one more time. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. You are worthy of all praise. It's to you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are mighty God. You are a mighty God. You are a wonderful God. We give you praise. We give you worship this morning, Father. 
We say, Abba, Father, because you are worthy. We worship you, Father. We thank you and we praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus, and I worship you this morning, Father. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. I'd like to call a couple ushers up front if I could. God is is a good, good father. I can say that today. He is a provider today, and he is our source today. He has been for me. I'd like to share something very quickly. In my early walk with the Lord, I struggled with trusting the Lord with my finances. And if I'm not careful, I can still struggle there and feel that money is not enough. I just don't have enough. I, I, and I don't put my trust in the Lord and believe that he can make ends meet. And I've watched over these last year and a half, if I could say that, I watched the Lord give increase after increase after increase. But I've came to a place of trusting in him with my finances for myself. This is for me. But I feel the need to share this today. When I began to trust him, because it all belongs to him. It all belongs to him. Everything that I have, everything that I will ever begin to have belongs to him. But I have to trust him. And in my trusting, it's trusting him with the little that I have. And he gives the increase. So I don't know where we are today, but I'd encourage you, trust him with everything. Trust him, and he will make a way. That's what he does, and that's what he will continue to do. Let's lift our hands and praise him this morning. Lord God, I just ask, Lord Jesus, that you would bless the lives here today, Lord. That they would put our trust, our hope, in everything in your hands today, Lord. Because it is you that will make a way. It is you that will give the increase. It is you that will meet the need in a life today. You know exactly where we are, Father. You know exactly where we will be tomorrow, God. It is in you that we put our hope. It is in you that we put our trust. I pray a blessing here according to your will, according to your purpose, because it is you that meets the need today. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Ushers, you can go forward. Jesus, he talaba so tolobo, she tatalaba tolobo koto. He tolobo, she ere tolobo, si alamaha. He ere si alamaha. Not because I've been so faithful, not because I've been so good. You've always been there for me. To provide my every need You were there when I was lonely You were there in all my pain Guiding my footsteps Shelter from the rain And it was you Who made my life complete You 
are to me my everything and that is why i sing jesus i love you i love you because you care i couldn't imagine if you weren't there jesus i love you i love you because you care i couldn't imagine if you weren't there jesus jesus i love you i love you because you care not because of anything i've done i couldn't imagine if you weren't there i want to sing that first verse again not because i've been so faithful not because i've been so good you've always been there for me to provide my every need you were there when i was lonely you were there in all my pain guiding my footsteps shelter from the rain and it was you who made my life complete you are to me my everything and that is why i sing jesus i love you i love you because you care i couldn't imagine if you weren't there jesus i love you i love you with my whole heart because you care i couldn't imagine if you weren't there jesus jesus i love you i love you because you care I couldn't imagine if you weren't there. You are the joy of my salvation. You're the peace in my storm. Your loving arms protect me. You shelter me from harm. You are Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. My strong tower, my dearest and best friend. And it was you who made my life complete. You are to me my everything, and that is why I sing. Jesus, I love you, I love you, because you care. I couldn't imagine if you weren't there. Jesus, I love you, I love you, because you care. I couldn't imagine if you weren't there. Jesus, I love you. 
Jesus, I love you, I love you, Jesus. Jesus, I love you, I love you. Jesus, I love you, I love you. Because you care. Jesus, I love you, I love you. Jesus, I love you, I love you. Jesus, I love you, I love you, because you care. Jesus, I love you, I love you. Jesus, I love you, I love you. Jesus, I love you, I love you, because you care. Jesus, I love you, I love you, because you care. I couldn't imagine if you weren't there. Oh, Jesus, I love you, I love you, because you care. I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine if you were there Jesus I love you I love you Jesus Jesus I love you I love you Jesus I love you I love you because you care praise God do you love him in this morning why don't you express that to him one more time from your spirit, Lord, we love you because you first loved us. We love you because you first loved us. Greater love has no man than the love you exampled by laying down your life for us. We love you today. We worship you, Jesus. Praise your name. Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated if you would like to this morning. It's a privilege to worship the Lord together. Great to see you in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Praise God. Appreciate the privilege of worship together. Amen. We learned last year what it is to not have it. And I'm thankful for the privilege to worship together. Just a uh, a couple of things in way of announcement. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Joey Charles is going to come here while he's coming. Um, men, uh, this Saturday we will have men's prayer on the mountaintop again. Uh, this Saturday, the 31st, uh, we will meet. Uh, in the mall parking lot where we did before, right there. Uh, you know where it was. If you're not sure and you weren't there, ask another guy that in the church, and he'll let you know where it was. Uh, but we're going to go up to the mountaintop for prayer. at, uh, And so we'll meet there about 640, head out by 645, and uh, get up there. And uh, I'm excited for what the Holy Ghost is going to do. We're making the men in Union Gap also aware, so they uh, will probably be joining us and expecting great things. We are not going just to have fellowship with one another. That will be secondary. 
our primary purpose is to pray. And there is a scriptural precedent for going to high places and praying. And uh, it was about just a handful of months before my wife and I ever moved to these valleys that I was praying in Puyallup one day. And in prayer, I had a vision of being on a mountain in these valleys praying. I didn't know where it was, but, uh, and I kept waiting for that to materialize for almost 16 years. It wasn't until one day Brother Joel and I went up to his property and we began to pray. And I realized this is what I saw 15 or 16 years ago. And um, so I, I just want you to understand, man, it's not just us coming together for fellowship with one another. We'll do that. That's part of it. But it's coming together to fellowship the Spirit of God and enter into what He wants to pray through us. We are going up there with purpose to pray for the valleys as far as our eyes can see and beyond. Amen? Praise God. So that'll be this Saturday. We'll meet at 640 there in the mall parking lot. If you're late, you'll probably miss it. Um, also, this Friday night, everybody say Friday. There's a lot going on this week. You're getting ready to find out. Aren't you thankful? Good stuff. We're not trying to fill a calendar. We just want to be involved in what the Holy Ghost wants us involved in. And uh, so this Friday night, if you are youth or hyphen age, all right, if you're part of the youth group or hyphen group, that's 12 and up. Uh, there will be hosted here uh, the Santos, and I think somebody else might be, and the Escaleras. There we go. The Santos and the Escaleras will be hosting here uh, an NAYC uh, watch party, watch service. Um, for those of you that don't know what NAYC is, it's North American Youth Congress. It happens every two years. Uh, this year, because of the uh, current environment in our world, um, the Lucas Oil Stadium, where the Indianapolis Colts play football, uh, is where Youth Congress was going to be, but they would not allow us to come. And so we are doing it as a virtual event this year. Uh, every two years, it keeps growing. I think... Um, I think two years ago, they had almost 50,000 young people from across North America, Canada, and even across some that traveled from internationally to be a part of the event there in Lucas Oil Stadium. It is a powerful time of ministry, and so since it's virtual this year, we're going to be opening the sanctuary for youth and hyphen here this Friday night. Uh, we'll start at 4.30 pre-service. And then the service will begin at 5. All right? So we'll be streaming it live. That's why, if you say, why are we starting so early? Because we'll be streaming it live. And so be here at 4.30, youth. If you've got questions, see the Escaleras or the Santos, and they'll square you away. We do ask you to bring five bucks uh, because they're going to also order pizzas and stuff after the service. Uh, there will be a time of fellowship, one with the other, and some food as well. So more watch for more communication on that, but I'm excited about that. Amen? Brother Joy Charles. Praise the Lord. So that was Saturday and Friday. Rip it from his hands there for a second. It's my turn. Um, 
So VBS is tomorrow. Um, I know my very lovely and patient and loving children are very aware of that. So um, just very excited for that. I, I did want to pass off just a few notes. It is 4 to 6.30. We will have somebody stationed here probably about 3.45. So if you want to get them checked in before that, that would be great. We are, we got a lot of stuff going for them. So I know I, we've said it before with children's, there's uh, children's ministry. There's a lot of play and there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of pies being thrown and acting and all of that. But there's ministry. There's rich ministry. We're so excited for that. Um, so please continue to be prayerful for that. Uh, we will have a snack in between that time. It's not a dinner. So if you know your kiddos and you know their bellies. And it's not going to hold off for them, so uh, you might want to consider feeding them before or know that they're going to come really hungry after. So um, just, just be aware of that. Also, if you are planning on picking them up at that 6.30 time, um, we're, we'll be here. That's kind of at our close. And so if you're absolutely needing to get them before then, we'll have somebody back there that you can kind of have as a, a point of contact so we can get your kiddo. Um, but just know we'll, we'll release them when we're all finished at that as close to 6.30 as possible. So, um, but... You know, I, I just, I just want to encourage that. I, I was thinking about this, and the Lord, I know, has, has dealt with um, myself, my wife, many others that work with our kiddos. I still haven't found something in the Word that says an age when kids are able to receive something. There's not like a, once they're 18, then they can receive the Holy Ghost. Or once they're at this age, you know, they're able to pray and, and praise. Um, it's when they're able to receive, it's when they're able to have a sincere heart and come before the Lord. And this is the beginning of that. Um, we've seen so many times these little ones, they'll surprise you if you're, you're ready and you look at them and, and they, they grasp their sponges. So continue to pray for them. I know you have. I know you'll continue to do that. Um, and we cherish this time. This isn't something that we take lightly. We're not fillers. This isn't just a, a thing to do. We're grateful, we're humbled by the Lord to allow us to, to help and be used to minister um, and to, to be able to, to serve your, your children. So we, we love them. We love you all. We're excited. Be prayerful. And we'll take our coffee recommendations afterwards. So if you're, no, just kidding. All right, God bless. Amen. What's the age ranges, or are they all, all checked in on? Four to 11. I think they. If you haven't let them know that your kid's coming, you please let them know. They, they have to plan different activities and things around numbers. And so if you're like, oh, I'm going to send my child that's 4 to 11, but you have not signed them up, please, please, please let the Charles Mercado family know today. Today, please. All right? We, the last thing we want is to have children here, and then we don't have stuff for them because we didn't expect that number. Okay, uh, they can pivot pretty quickly, but not that quickly. So let them know today and we'll do what we have to do. To, uh, but it's going to be a great time of ministry for our children. Again, that is Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. From four to six thirty. All right, I'll say what Brother Charles probably wouldn't have said. Well, he didn't say, please don't come at seven twenty to get your child. Okay, if you do, we'll have them zip tied to a post and you no, I'm kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. Um, but no, please don't. <laughs> if 
probably recorded that. Oh, phew. Somebody take that one snippet and use it against us. Uh, but I have had that thought a few times. Um, but uh, drop them off just a few minutes before, like he said, 345 or something. And, and then be here by 635, please, to pick them up. There, we have many volunteers that are giving of their time and their energy and their effort. Uh, I think there's going to be about 30 kids or so. And that's a handful for two and a half hours. All right? And it's going to be great ministry. But when the two and a half hours is done, those ministering are usually done. And so uh, please be respectful of their time. And I'd like us to stand together before we dismiss the classes. And I'm going to ask us to agree in prayer. I'm going to ask us to agree in prayer. As Brother Charles said, this is not VBS, Vacation Bible School, is not just something to do to fill a little time on a calendar to occupy children. We believe and have been prayerful for the flow of ministry each afternoon, evening into our children. And so I want us to pray together for the ministry of the Spirit, for the anointing of God upon these children that will be here, the anointing of God upon those that are teaching and serving and all the parts. I'm believing for kids to be powerfully touched by the Spirit of God in the next three days. Amen. This is a ministry event. You understand? All right. So I want us to pray about that. And then this Friday night for our youth and hyphen, I am praying and believing the same thing. I am believing that as they sit here in this live stream and they hear the ministry of the word coming forth, they participate in worship and in ministry, that the Holy Ghost is going to move in this atmosphere and that our young people in Hyphen will be powerfully touched and ministered to by the Spirit of God. You understand, we're not just putting stuff on a calendar. So critical that we have, we're not just putting stuff on a calendar. We are seeking where the Lord is guiding to have ministry in the lives. Amen? So let's pray together for these two events this week. Could we, our youth, Hyphen, and our children. Lord Jesus Christ, we can do nothing without you we can do nothing without you we can plan and prepare and we seek to do so we can organize and put together and we seek to do so but God, if you do not minister, our time is wasted. We submit these things to you. We bring them humbly yet boldly before the throne of grace. And we pray the ministry and the operation of your spirit in the hearts, minds, and lives of our children, our young people, Lord. We pray a divine move of the Holy Ghost to transform their lives, to bring healing, deliverance, salvation. In the name of Jesus, let your work be accomplished 
in each one of them. You are no respecter of persons. You are no respecter of age. But you said, suffer the little children to come to you and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. I pray your ministry into the lives of our children. I pray your anointing upon every teacher, every volunteer, every child of God that gives themselves to ministry this week. Let the Spirit of the Lord have free course, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Fill souls with the Holy Ghost. Deliver lives from bondage. Heal the mind that is tormented. Bring deliverance in souls. Let your word work and your spirit work in our children and in our young people. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. This is vitally important in this hour. So I'm asking you, saints of God, please remain in prayer through this week for these events. I have great faith on what the Lord is going to do and how he's going to use them. I really do. So please give time to prayer as the Holy Ghost would lead you. Amen? We will dismiss our children, or not our children yet. Whew, that would have been crazy. We better dismiss our teachers first, just so there's someone down there. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And we will dismiss children 4 to 11 to the classes. God bless them. Minister to them today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One last announcement. This Thursday night, uh, Brother Bruce Bartell will be with us in ministry. And we are looking forward to that. Brother Bartell pastored for many, many years uh, in uh, Victoria, B.C., uh, he's from Canada. Once you, uh, once you speak to him or hear him talk, you'll know. Eh? And so uh, we're looking forward to him being with us. And we just don't know what the Holy Ghost might do. So uh, we look forward to Thursday night. Amen? Praise God. Uh, while you're standing, why don't you grab your Bible? Would you please? I'm going to move. Go with me, if you would, today to the book of Romans, chapter 11. Romans, chapter 11. We will start there in verse number 33. Romans 11 and verse 33. As you're there, let me say this. I think most, if not all, here were able to be with us last Sunday in our united service. And the Holy Ghost ministered to us distinctly in that service. It was not a word for the day. It was a word for the church for the go forward. 
Sometimes the Lord gives you a word for the day in the moment. That was not what ministry was last Sunday. That was a word from the Lord for the church for the go forward until he comes. All right. So if you were not there or maybe if you were distracted last Sunday, that can happen sometimes. I know. Would you please go back, get with somebody. We can get you the link. Go back and watch and listen to the ministry last Sunday. Amen. And then Thursday night, the Lord has continued to deal with us in a vein of the spirit. And what the Holy Ghost is doing is posturing us to be used the way he wants to use us. He is posturing the church to be used the way he wants to use us. Okay? I want to be postured, don't you? And so I feel, I know what the word says, that the Lord speaks to his people line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, precept upon pre. The Lord has a way that he's always, and he doesn't change. So he continues to speak to us this way, line upon line, here a little, there a little. And so as we begin to hear these different times of ministry from the Spirit of God, we begin to see a thread of the Spirit talking to us and leading us. And it's very significant right now. And so I, I encourage you to go back and listen to last Sunday and this past Thursday night. Amen? And I believe that what the Holy Ghost will speak with us today will be another part of that. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. The writer of Romans there in verse 33 could have, what he said is, Oh, the depths of the riches of God's wisdom and God's knowledge. Now, he put God at the end. He said wisdom and knowledge of God, but it's not changing the meaning at all to say, Oh, the depths of the, ri- the depth of the riches, both of God's wisdom and God's knowledge. He wasn't saying the knowledge of God like you and I have knowledge of God. He was saying the depths of the riches of God's knowledge. You understand? He wasn't saying the depth of the riches of our wisdom of God. He was saying the depths of God's wisdom. Okay? Oh, the depths of the rich, not just depth, riches. Anybody interested in his riches? Riches. Now watch. And, oh, how unsearchable are his judgments. That means you can't search and figure out why God makes decisions the way he does. His judgments. He made a judgment about something, a decision about something. You and I can't search out why he made it. But God's wisdom and God's knowledge has deep riches. There's a lot in that one verse, isn't there? This is what the writer's wanting us to understand, or at least get into our spirit about the wisdom, the knowledge, and the decision-making of God. His ways are past finding out. 
You ever try to figure out what God's doing, you probably won't. Now, he gives us glimpses. He gives us glimpses. All right, verse 34. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who's known how the Lord thinks? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, to the Lord, and it be paid back or recompensed to him again? Anybody ever give something to the Lord that he needed to pay you back for? No, I don't think so. Me neither. Watch verse 36. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Would you pray with me before you're seated? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your holy word that cannot fail. We need your word. We need this wisdom and knowledge that comes from you in this hour. I pray divine impartation of your spirit and word into our spirit today. Anoint our ears to hear what your word and spirit says, O God. Anoint our hearts today. Let your voice speak into our lives. You who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit. And so, Father, I pray right on the fleshy tables of our heart by this your living word. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You can be seated. There was something here written by Paul to the church that he was trying to he was trying to under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost as he wrote the words the Lord through Paul was trying to change and shift the way the church thought and trying to move them from a place of relying on their own thinking. Trying to move them from a place of relying on their own wisdom. Trying to move them from a place of relying on their own knowledge by pointing them to the fact that God's wisdom has depth of riches. God's knowledge has depth of riches. God's decision making you can't find out. But oh, by the way, it's right. It's right. You may not understand it. You may not be able to follow along with it completely in the moment. But God is right. Someone once made a statement, God does what he thinks is right. That's absolutely not true. God does not do what he thinks is right. God does what is right. There's a difference. He does what is right. God is righteous. Okay? And so Paul, writing to the church, is trying to bring people from a place of leaning on their own wisdom. What did the writer of Proverbs say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on what? Mine and your own understanding. Boy, that's difficult, isn't it? You ever met somebody? Now, you don't need to raise your hand. You ever met somebody maybe 
10, 20 years younger than you. And now some of you are really, really young, so I better be careful. You maybe not. You haven't. Maybe you've met somebody three to five years younger than you. Somewhere younger than you that has not yet had experiences in life that you've had. You ever met somebody that hasn't yet had experiences in life that you had? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. And you have walked in a place they have not walked. You have experienced some things they have not experienced. Doesn't make you better. Just means you're more experienced, right? You understand that? And then you're talking with this individual. And you're expressing to them, trying to convey something to them. Trying to communicate something to them because you see them entering into an experience you've been through. Maybe more than once. And as you're talking to them, they are not listening. Anybody ever had that happen? Nobody. Oh, there's been a few. Okay. Me too. They're not listening. And you know they're not listening. And maybe they're doing this. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Right. But you know. What do you know? You know it's going here and there. That's the, we get to say in one ear and out the other, right? Why is that happening? Is it because they don't hear what you're saying? No, I'll tell you why it's happening. Because they already have their own thoughts. Right? They got their own ideas. They, they have their own wisdom. They have their own knowledge. Now, theirs is all speculative wisdom. Theirs is all speculative knowledge. Now, that's in the natural. But you know what? We do that with God. God begins to speak to us from His Word. He begins to deal with us about something in our life through His Word. And we, you and I, I'm not just saying you, we. I'm in this room too, right? I'm... I haven't got all this figured out. God begins dealing with us about something, and we're like, oh, whoa, 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 that doesn't make sense, God. Hold on a minute. I heard, I read, I saw somebody that's an expert in their field told me, look, God's ways are past finding out. The wisdom of God has deep riches. The knowledge of God has deep riches. And the writer of Romans appealing to the church to walk in the Spirit. This is a couple chapters after Romans 8, obviously. He's trying to move the church into a place of walking in the leading, the calling, the Spirit of God. But he's coming up against something. I'll tell you what he's coming up against. He's coming up this way of thinking that says, but I don't understand what God's doing. And so therefore, I got, I got, I got questions. I, I, don't under, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and maybe it bears witness in my spirit, but I can't wrap my carnal reasoning around it. I can't get it through my human reasoning and understanding. And Paul is writing and trying to, under the inspiration of the Spirit, help the church to see God has deep riches of wisdom and knowledge. You can't understand His ways. But that doesn't mean you can't trust Him. I, I, hear me. This is not about finances unless it is for you and the Holy Ghost. But... It doesn't make sense to me 
I've been a banker for 20 years. I've sat down with people and done budgets, worked through their finances, done loans, all kinds of stuff, looked at their credit reports, tried to help them get their life straightened. It does not make sense to me in the natural to sit down with a person and say, hey, you know what? You want to turn your financial situation around? The first thing you should do is obey the word of God and return a tenth of all that comes in back to the Lord. Excuse me? I'm going to get better if I give away the first ten. I can't explain that. That doesn't make sense to me. And I see some of you laughing because I know we've had conversations where you struggle with it, but you've watched God turn your life around as you begin following the principle of, I don't know how that works. I can't explain that to you in the natural. But I can tell you what the Word of God says. If you, then I will. That's His Word. And so... I'm like, okay, God, then I will, and you will. And you want to talk about obligating God, just obey His Word. Now, I'm going to give you some more examples. There is a man of God living in a city, prophesied the Word of God that it wouldn't rain, and it stops raining. It doesn't rain for three years. No rain. You know what happens when there's no rain? There's no food, no crops. Things get a little bare. And he's talking to the Lord, and the Lord says to him, Elijah, I want you to go out of town, and you're going to find a brook called Kidron. You just go sit down by that brook, and there's water there for you. And if you'll just stay there, what I'm going to do is scavenge your birds that eat anything and everything they can find, ravens, I'm going to command the ravens, and the ravens are going to sustain you there. Now, if I was Elijah, I'd probably be looking at God like you're looking at me right now. Okay, hold on a minute. So, Lord, I'm just going to go sit by a brook, and ravens, Birds that are scavengers are going to fly up to me. And, and they're going to feed me. These birds that like almost kill each other, if one tries to take the food from the other, are going to fly up and give me their food. Now, does that make sense to you? That God would choose a scavenger bird, the raven... To sustain somebody. You know, we'd pray, God, just have somebody drop a whole bag of groceries off at my house. Then I'll know. But read it in the word of God. What happened? Not just once, but in the morning, these ravens brought food to Elijah. And in the evening, these ravens. Brought, you understand, it's not coincidence that the Lord chose to use a bird that was a scavenger. God, who, you saw that last verse we read, who created all things. All things are to Him, for Him, right? They all operate and function the way He says when He says. And so God can take a bird contrary to His nature. And say, I don't care that your nature is a scavenger. Yes, I created you that way. 
But today I have a purpose to sustain a child of God. And therefore, contrary to your nature, I command you, Raven, to deliver flesh to the man of God in the morning. And I command you to deliver flesh to the man of God in the evening. And ravens did it. Now, does that make sense to you? Can you understand that? Can you wrap your mind around that? And oh, by the way, the brook dried up. Wonderful. God told me to go here. And now the water's gone. I mean, that does happen when there's no rain for three years. And so the Lord comes to the, you know, he was, we, we just see the highlights. You know, it's sort of like Elijah's Instagram. Right? You don't see all the low points. You just see all the highlights. Oh, look what God did. Ravens came. He didn't tell you about the day he's walking out there going, man, I, this is crazy, but I'm just trusting God. I don't know if this is really going to work. I hope nobody figures out what I'm doing until this works. Because, right? we, he didn't put that on Instagram. He just posted a picture of the bird dropping food. That was like everybody could see. Right? I'm just trying to bring this where we live today. We don't, we don't see the low lights. We don't even call them low lights. We call them dark places. But Elijah was human like you and I. He had to trust. Not in his own wisdom and understanding. Bear with me. We're going somewhere this morning. And so the brook dries up. Now when we read the story, we read it like, oh man, everything's fine and good. He knows God's got it. Look, he's as human as you and I. The Lord might do something to care for us. And then when that stops, we're like, oh, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what to do now. I, I, you know, it was great when God, but now I don't know. This is all right. I don't know. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? It's all fine when God's doing, but when God's not doing in that moment, we're human. But we read it like people in the Bible weren't human. Like, oh, no, they just, they just walked in faith everywhere they went. And when things went south and didn't look like anything was going to happen, they, they never wavered. They just, right. Abraham never wavered. But he listened to his wife and took her handmaiden to have a son called Ishmael that was not the plan of God because he just had faith. They were human. And the writer of Romans is trying to say to us, look, you may not understand it, but you have to know the wisdom of God has deep riches. The knowledge of God has deep riches. God's decision making, you can't figure out, but you can put your confidence in him. Now watch one more thing before we go back here in the word. So the brook dries up. Elijah's there and the Lord comes to him. I don't know if he fretted for a little bit. You know, he, he saw the stream getting narrower and narrower, right? He was there every day. He had to see it. I don't think it was just like flowing freely and it was gone. I think he saw it trickling down and going, this isn't going to last forever. Got a plan, Lord? He probably started talking because we're that way, right? Oh, Lord, I don't know. It's almost. So he probably started talking to God about it several weeks before when he saw the, the, the creek getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Uh, Lord, do you realize what's happening? Uh, God, do you know my situation? Do you understand what's going on? Forget the fact that he's been having birds come every day. He was human. And this is what happens to us. God does something miraculous in our life, and we look and we recognize there's no way this could have happened except God. But then circumstances start changing. We're like, oh, God, do you see where I'm at? Yes, he knows where we're at. But Elijah begins to cry out to the Lord, whatever that sounded like. And the Lord speaks to Elijah, and he says, Elijah, 
I want you to head down to Zarephath. I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. Oh, that sounds good, Lord. Okay. Whew. All right, I'm going to head to Zarephath. I wonder, again, Elijah's as human as you and I, if the Lord spoke to you and said, hey, I've got a person over here in uh, Zilla. There you go. I don't know why that came to my mind. I've got a person over here in Zilla that's going to sustain you. It's a widow. Now, look, here's how some of us would think. Oh, a widow. Obviously, her husband died. I bet he left her a lot of money. So the Lord's going to use. So the Lord's, you know, she's, she's probably well off now. And so that's awesome. The Lord's going to use her. To, I, that would, thank you, Jesus. Now, come on, you're laughing at me, but this is how we think. The Lord will give us a word, a thought, and we'll be like, oh, this is what he's going to do. Am I, is this right? This is what he's going to do. If he says there's a widow woman that's going to sustain me, it must mean a widow woman that's affluent. Something's happened in her life. Clearly, her husband's died. I bet he set her up. And so the Lord's going to, that's awesome. The Lord's going to use her. And so, come on now. You guys are looking at me like, that's crazy. I wouldn't think, yes, you would think that way. This is how we're human made. And so he heads off to Zarephath. He was probably whistling as he went, excited to hear from the Lord. The Lord's going to do this work. And he gets there, and he sees a woman picking up sticks. And she's picking up sticks, and the the Lord illuminates to him that that's the woman. He's probably feeling pretty good now. And so he says to her, hey, would you you mind getting me a drink? And she says, sure, I'll I'll run to my house and get you something to drink. I'll be right back. See, when you read the King James, you sort of miss it sometimes, but it's in there. I'll run to your house and get you some my house and get you some drink. I'll be right back. And he says, Oh, oh, hey, hey, but, but by the way, would you mind while you're there? Would you make me a little cake to eat too? I'm really hungry. I'm not making this up. This is in the word of God. This happened. I picture her, she's going, and he says, Would you make me a cake too? And her heart's sinking. Because he doesn't know her situation. He's probably thinking she's affluent. And she turns around and says, sir. There's a famine. In case you didn't notice. Probably knew because you're responsible. He was the one that prophesied no rain. Sir. I, I just have a cruise that's got a little bit of oil left. And I've got a barrel of meal that's just got the last bit of meal left. I've been stretching it out as long as I can. I've been surviving as long as I can. And I'm gathering sticks here. I'm going to go back to my house. I'm going to build a fire. I hope you're listening. I really feel the Holy Ghost trying to help somebody right now. I'm going to go back to my house with these sticks and. I'm going to build a fire and I'm going to take the last of my meal. And I'm going to take the last of my oil. And I'm going to make a cake for me. And by the way, I have a son at home. I'm going to make this cake for me and my son. And we're going to eat it and then we're going to die. 
That's what she said. That's all she had left. Whoo, there went the whole theory of an affluent widow woman. Lord, why would you send me to a woman who's lost her husband and now is at the last of all she has and is already resigned to the fact that her and her son are going to die? And this is your choice to sustain me? Oh, the depth of riches of God's wisdom. Oh, the depth of riches of God's knowledge. His judgments, His way of making decisions are past finding out. I don't know why God's ordering your circumstances the way He is. I don't know why your life is going the direction, if it's in His hands, the way that He's taking it. But if you'll trust Him, Pray with me before we go any further. Jesus, you know the way that I take. Jesus, you know our frame. You know our frame. You know our frame. Your ways are past finding out. You know our frame. Jesus, help us to hear what you are speaking to us today. Your wisdom is deep. With riches. Your knowledge is deep with riches. We trust in you, Lord. We trust in you, Lord. I time won't allow us this morning, but I could keep walking through the word. Example after example after example. We see one I shared a week or two ago. We see Naaman the Syrian, a great man with leprosy, going to the prophet of God. It was Elijah too, by the way. Going to the prophet of God because he was sent there by a handmaiden of Israel. Long story short, he goes to his house because the Lord, or the Lord, through this handmaiden, had said a prophet could recover him of his leprosy. So he goes to Elijah's house. Elijah doesn't even come out and say hello, just sends his servant out and says, go tell him to dip in the river Jordan seven times. Well, that doesn't make sense. Go dip in a dirty river to get clean from leprosy. And what's interesting in that passage of Scripture, we find Naaman, he's got pride, see. He's somebody. He's got pride. See, pride will keep you and I from responding to God. He's got pride. And Naaman says, he makes a statement, he reveals his heart. He says, I thought he was mad. He was mad when the man of God didn't come out. He was mad when he got told to go to a dirty Jordan. And he said, I thought. There's the problem. I thought. I thought surely he would come out and wave his hand over the place and I would be recovered. He already had it in his mind how God would do what he needed. Now, we can judge Naaman, but any of us ever done that? Ever had it in your mind how God would do what you needed? 
Maybe you even told God how he ought to do it. I know, we, yeah, you're as human as I am. God, please do this, 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 and this. But Naaman thought, and here was the problem. His thought, as we've read here in Romans, his thought is not God's thought. His way is not God's way. And his own way of thinking almost kept him from receiving the blessing of God that he needed. And there is a lesson to you and I. If I won't hear what Paul is writing to the church, I'll get wrapped up in my own thinking. But I thought, but God, you could have. God, you should have. Why didn't you? And God's been trying to direct our life, trying to direct our steps. And the reality is, I'm wrestling with God because of what I think, rather than trusting what He knows. And my way of thinking, Paul is writing to try to shift the mindset of the church. To a Proverbs 3 way of thinking. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He, not you, He will direct your paths. You believe that word today? Do you believe that God can and will direct your path? You believe that? That He'll direct your path? We need a picture of that, of what that looks like. Well, let's come here for a second. It doesn't say he'll tell you what the journey will be so you'll know where you're going. That's what we want. Oh, direct my past. Tell me what the path, where, where's this going? Where, where's it leading? Where? No, 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 no. That's not what he promised. I'll direct your path. Okay, let's go. Uh, Lord, I don't want to go this way. This do- Who's directing here? Oh, no, no, no. I, 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 he'll direct your path. This doesn't look good. This doesn't. I, I, well, we're human, aren't we? This is, not what I, this is not what I thought, Lord. This is different. I mean, when I ask you to help, that, Lord, I don't think this is going to help. You guys look at me like I'm crazy. You may not have said that in prayer, but it was in mine and your hearts along the journey. Yeah, I'm going this way. I like this way. And the Lord's saying, uh, no, you're not. Not if you're going to let me direct your path, you're not. But Lord, this job makes so much sense. This job looks perfect. This job, I know, but you don't know what's at the end, and I do. I know what's over here. Just trust me. But God, this doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, I don't over there. I Are you going to keep looking to your way? Or are you going to trust me to direct your path? I, I really I, I feel some of you this morning. You're at a place in your life right now where you are wrestling with God about him directing your life. And you are like that person described earlier that God has all wisdom, all knowledge, all experience, and he's trying to give you instruction. But mine or your own thought is getting in the way of what he's trying to do. And and here's the thing. The Lord will let you direct your own path. He'll let you. You can say, God, no, you got to. I don't know why you're taking me this way. It's not the way I would choose God. It's not what I would have wanted God. 
But I did say your will, not mine, be done. I did say I wanted you directing my life. I did say I wanted you to have control of my life. I did say I want to live the way you want me to live, not the way I want. And so the Lord, and hear me, thank you, hear me. It's usually just step by step. God, why aren't you fixing this? Why aren't you changing this? Why aren't you correcting this? Why don't you? And the Lord, in His infinite wisdom, knows. Because I'm using all of those things to shape you, to guide you, and to do my will in you. And if I fix that, change that, corrected that the way you think it should be, your need of me would diminish. And what I'm trying to show you and teach you and do in you would never happen. Now, how amazing is it that that widow woman still followed through with making a cake for the prophet. She said, I'm going to make this for me and my son and eat it. We're going to die. And Elijah said, yeah, but make me one first. He didn't say, oh, I'm so sorry. That's terrible. You know what? Maybe I'll look, I'll look a different way. I mean, isn't that what you expect? I mean, that's what we do, right? Oh, my goodness, that, that's terrible. You know what? I'll fast, go, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, maybe I can help. Maybe I can. We start putting our thinking in there. Maybe I can. But Elijah had a word from God. God said, I have commanded her to sustain you. If you read it in the word. Now, she may not have known it, but Elijah knew it. And so he could with confidence say, I don't know how. I don't understand how this is going to work. But you know what? I've just been eating from ravens the last few months. So I think this will probably work out. Who knows what's going on? But God's got a plan. So you know what? Sorry about your situation. But would you make that for me first and we'll see what happens. We read the Bible like, Thus saith thou, then thee thou. No, this really, these were real people. We need to see ourselves in the Word. They were human like us. And the Lord was trying to get us to see. My ways are above your ways. My thoughts are above your thoughts. If you'll stop leaning on your thinking and let me direct your life, I'm going to do things you never thought possible. But it's probably not going to make sense in your carnal reasoning. I'm taking a whole lot longer to get where I thought we were going. The Lord's trying to help us today. Okay, so he says these things. Now watch. He says all of that. Go back with me to the word, Romans chapter 12. Those are a few examples. There's plenty more examples in the scripture. You can think of them, I'm sure. Romans chapter 12. Now notice, you've heard this before. Men put the chapters and verses there so we could find stuff. Right? Paul wrote one letter to the Romans. He didn't put chapters and verses there. It was just one letter. So they just read and it flowed from thought to thought. So Paul has shared all of this, excuse me, about the depths of God's wisdom, the depths of his knowledge, his decision making, his ways. And then he follows all that with this. Now we quote this one a lot, but now you understand the context, right? He follows all that about God's wisdom and God's knowledge. And he says, 
I beseech you, therefore. Therefore what? Therefore, because of all that I just told you about God's wisdom and knowledge and decision making, therefore, as a result of all that stuff I just shared with you about God's ways, I'm begging you. That's what beseech means. I'm begging you by God's mercies that you would present your body a living sacrifice. Hold on a minute. Paul, I was with you about God's wisdom and God's knowledge, but now you're talking about me? No, 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 but I'm, I'm telling you this as a result of understanding that God's ways are, He knows what He's doing. You're not blindly presenting your body as though God has no plan for you. You're presenting your life to God, trusting His wisdom, trusting His knowledge, trusting His judgment. I'm begging you as a result of the not knowing that God's wisdom and knowledge always is right. I'm begging you, therefore, to present your body. A living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That literally means right there, which is just an acceptable way of worshiping Him. Now watch. See, now that we understand the end of chapter 11, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12 take on a whole new... Watch verse 2. And... And... Everybody say and... And a conjunction joins two thoughts. One is not complete without the other. And after you present your body, be not conformed to this world. What's he saying? He's saying, I don't care if the world says this is how it works. I don't care if society says this is what makes wise sense. I don't care if society says, oh, no, 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 this is the wise thing to do. What does God say? Don't be conformed to this world. I I have a story that comes to mind right now. And I'll share it quickly. Many of you know, some almost 11 years ago, no, that's not true, almost 14 years ago, my wife and I, the Lord directed us, and we picked up and moved to Arkansas. Came very suddenly. It made no sense to us whatsoever. It seemed like terrible timing. The church, we'd been going for two years. God was doing great things. We were excited about what he was doing. <coughs> Excuse me. And the Spirit of the Lord says, okay, now move. And he had dealt with us eight years ago, so we knew it was, time. We knew it was the Lord. It made no sense to us. People would ask me, you have a job? Uh, No, we don't have a job lined up. Oh, nice. Okay. Where are you going to live? I have no clue. Oh, that sounds nice. What what are you going to do with the house that you have here? I really don't know. Oh, you're going to sell that first, right? I I remember somebody asking me, oh, you're going to sell the house you have here first. And clearly it was the Lord, because if I'd have thought about it, I would have said something different. My response, without even giving it a second thought, because the Lord had dealt so clearly with us about moving, my response was, why would I put a condition on God on whether I was going to obey Him or not? Lord, I'll obey you if you sell my house. 
that came out of my mouth before I realized it. And then the Lord started dealing with me about times where I try to put conditions on him before I obey. So I made the statement to the person. I said, why would I put conditions on God? I'm going to go. I don't know what's going to happen with the house. And we really didn't. And I don't have time to tell you all the miracles that happened through that deal. Matter of fact, there are people still living in that house today that moved into that house 12 years ago. And when we tried to sell it, we couldn't sell it. And only one couple ever came and looked at it in two weeks. That was not real exciting for us. Only one couple in two weeks ever came and looked at it. They're the ones that still live in the house today. You see, it only took one. Now, so we move. We get there. My family of five is living in a single wide trailer with my aunt and uncle. Exciting times. Joy upon joy. I'm going crazy. And I'm thinking, no problem. You know what? I've been managing banks for quite a few years. There's banks everywhere. That's a wonderful thing. I'll be able to get a job. We're there a month. No job. Not even an interview. Brother Johnstone had showed me once something about washing houses. I'm out there sending out Craigslist ads, Brother John. I don't know if I ever told you this. I'm sending out Craigslist in Little Rock, Arkansas, trying to get somebody to let me come wash the side of their house. Because they got humidity down there. It's terrible. Ain't one person calling me to come wash their house. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. And we had been there. We knew we were going under the direction of the Lord. And Bishop had told us, hey, the church will send you, the church will send you some funds. Ever, and, they, and they did. The church sent us funds, helped us in that transition uh, for, I, I don't remember the length of time. It was, I didn't have a job yet. It had been a few weeks. And the Lord dealt with me one day. And I thought, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. Well, probably not if you ask my wife, but it was pretty dumb in the moment. And I sent a message to Bishop. I said, thank you. Please don't send me anymore. Use it for the work there. Now, I'm not patting myself on the back. Don't, you just need to understand the story here. The Lord had dealt with me about that. I said, don't send it anymore. I'm like, if I'm here because God told me to come, then God's going to take care of the situation. So a month, no job. Two months, no job. No money left. And here we are. Thank goodness for my aunt and uncle. <laughs> at least we ate. We decided, well, we should look at houses because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a job. Now, I'm not recommending this unless the Lord deals with you, but I'm talking about his ways are above our ways. We look. We look at a house. We like the house. I'm praying, and the Lord says to me, buy it. I'm like, uh, it's great, God. How's that work? No job. You knew that, right, God? Right? You ever tell God stuff he doesn't know? Right? Okay, you too. All right. Good, good, good. Yeah. I, Lord, I, I, no job. You know, they... Banks want you to have a job to buy a house, Lord. I just learned that. (laughs) 
And Lord, you know what my bank account looked like too, right? Lots of zeros, but no numbers in front of them. Somebody said, there's a lot of zeros on my bank account. I'm like, I can relate to that, too. You can write zeros as long as you want. <laughs> Problem's no number in front of the zeros. That's always the issue, right? And so, now here's, I want you to watch how God works. I knew the Lord told me to buy the house. Now, this is crazy. I would not advise anybody to do what I'm getting ready to tell you. But I knew I'd heard from the Lord. The only place we had any funds... I had a 401k at Key Bank because I'd worked there for about four years, five years before we moved. And it had like 9000 and something dollars in it. Now, I would never tell somebody to cash out their 401k, ever. Like, this is what I do for a living. I would never tell earthly wisdom. I would never tell, I would be like, that's, like, like, that's the dumbest thing you could do. You're going to pay 15% right off the top if you're not 59 and a half. You're just giving away money. 15% right off the top. And then whatever tax bracket you're in, like if you're in the minimum at 12%, you're going to pay 27% just give all this away. Don't cash it out. Find another way. Get a, you know, whatever. I, I would never tell somebody to, but the Lord dealt with me. Said, there's that. And now here's the thing. I'm like, uh, Lord, a few more things you may not know. We're human, aren't we? Uh, Lord, um, I'm 30-something years old, God. I got a family. That's all that's left. And I'm going to spend that. And I don't have a job. After that, remember that. Nothing. Silence. See, sometimes when the Lord's silent, it's because he's waiting you to, on you to obey what he's already told you. Doesn't mean he's ignoring you. He's waiting on you to obey what he's already told you. As a parent, do you ever say, I'm not telling you again? The Lord does that sometimes. Not because he's getting ready to beat you upside the head, <laughs> right? Or the backside, the backside, right? But because he's waiting on you to obey. And so we did. I, uh, I spoke to a guy in the mortgage business there that happened to be uh, connected to the church. And uh, he said, yeah, talk to me. And so I said, well, we're looking at this house. Da, 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 da. He said, so where do you work? I said, well, that's the thing. Um, I don't. <laughs> he said, well, are you going to work? I said, well, that's the plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not lazy. I, I, yeah, really. I, um, I, I do work. I want to work. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm. Well, what'd you do? Well, I manage banks. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, no, really, I'm going to work. I think I'm going to get a job. Okay. Well, now this was. This was before 08 crash. I did not contribute to the crash, just in case you. <laughs> he says, oh, well, do you have tax returns from last year? Well, yeah, I got those. But I'm not making that money now. 
Oh, that's okay. We can use your last two years tax returns. I'm not making this stuff up. You wonder why the market crashed in 08. They were doing this stuff. I gave him my last two year tax returns. He goes, oh, you're approved. You can buy the house. He says, now, you got to have at least 3.5% down. Wouldn't you know after the government took their part out of my 401k, that's exactly how much we had, like 7000 and something dollars. I still remember the number to this day. We used all of that money and bought a house without a job. Yeah, that's what I said, too. Wow. That's crazy. The Lord directed our... Now, again, I would not tell anybody to... Don't walk out here and say, oh, man, that worked for Elder. I'm going to go cash out my 401k and buy a house and have zeros in my bank account. No, no, no. You better hear from God. You understand? This is not advice on how to purchase a home. Let's make sure we draw clear distinction. But here, we need to, God's thoughts. I couldn't understand it. I only knew what he'd given me to do. And I, I was like, again, like the example I just showed God, this direction makes no sense. I don't, but I knew what he'd given me peace to do. What he told me to do, and the doors just opened. I mean, there was no second question about getting. I bought a house without a job. And you know, they have you give you their bank statements so they can see how much is in your account. Well, they asked for the last two months' bank statements. Well, there was money two months before. Just don't ask now. God did it. We bought that house. We moved into that house. I got a job like, I don't know, maybe a week or so before we moved into that house. The Lord gave me a job. It wasn't the plan. But we ultimately, in, it really wasn't. It wasn't the plan. I was just wanting a place to live outside of my aunt and uncle's single wide trailer. It was getting a little crowded in there. God in his infinite wisdom and grace. We never planned this. It was God's plan. We rented that house for 13 years. The Lord used it in different ways to sustain us through the years. We just sold that home at the beginning of this year. Now, you understand this is not about the financial side. This is about God's wisdom being above ours. He knew all the end from the beginning. He knew all the elements along the journey. And so Paul is writing to the church about the wisdom of God. He says, don't be conformed to this world. What's he saying? That story I just shared with you, there's nothing in it that fits this world system of wisdom. Would you agree? There's nothing in it that fits this world's knowledge. And Paul, writing to us, the church, and I'm finishing here, is trying to say, I'm wanting to do a work in you. God is wanting to do a work in you. But here's something you're going to have to get past. You're going to have to let your life be a living sacrifice. And you're going to have to determine your way of thinking is not conformed to this world's way of thinking. Watch. Be not conformed to this world, colon. Now what follows is an explanation of how. But be transformed. Transformed, the Greek word that's there is the same place we get the word metamorphosis, like a butterfly. 
goes through a process. Metamorphosis. When it's done, what it looked like going in is completely different than what it looks like coming out. It goes in as a caterpillar. It comes out as a butterfly. Total change in ability. Total change in identity. Total change across the board. That's the word he used. Be ye transformed. Be completely changed from what you are to what God intends. How? By the renewing of your mind. See, it's not coincidence that he first started with how God thinks, being above the way we think. God's wisdom and knowledge being above ours. And he says, you want God to do something miraculous in your life? You want God to utterly transform your life to where when people see you, they don't even know who you are anymore. They look at you and go, this can't be the Martin I knew 10 years ago. It's not been completely transformed. This can't be the individual I knew five years ago. It's not. There's a transformation process taking place. How? Well, if, I, if you got time, I'll tell you, but you're not going to buy it. Oh, you must have done like 10 steps. No, 12 steps. You did all the steps, right? No, no, it didn't work that way. What happened? Well, I went to an altar. A what? I went to an altar and I laid my life down and said, God, I've made a mess of my life. But if anyone can do anything, God, you can. You got to help me because I can't help myself. I've looked for answers in my own way of thinking. I've looked for wisdom in my own efforts. And every time I think I've got it and then it's not, it doesn't work. I laid my life on the altar and said, God, you can. I don't know how, but if, if you would, I'll present my life to you. And it started as an altar. And then there on the altar, the Spirit of God dealt with my heart. And, and I went down. I, now, this won't make sense to you that it wasn't some self-help program, but... I went to a tank filled with water and and I had learned from the word of God that if I went down in the water that the blood of Jesus was applied to my life and, and that it would wash away all of my sin and shame and guilt and everything I'd ever done wrong that God by his blood would remove it from my life and I would never be held accountable again as long as I let his blood wash over me. And I know that sounds crazy. You're saying water and just what kind of water was it? It doesn't make sense. But I obeyed the word of God and I went down in a watery grave in the blood of Jesus. I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus washed over my life. The blood of Jesus washed over my life. And I have been made clean. I have been made whole. And I can't describe to you the way it felt when I came out of that water. But the Spirit of God touched my life. And I was praying. And, and again, this won't make sense to you. It wasn't a self-help thing. But the Spirit of God came and filled my life. I began to speak in other tongues. And it was the Spirit of God gave me words. I didn't learn them. But there was a flowing out of my mouth. And I'm telling you, what you see today is a product of the Spirit of God. Not some steps I took. Not me getting it all together. Because I still haven't got it all together. It was just me laying my life on an altar is where it started. And the Spirit. God began to work. That doesn't make sense to the carnal mind. Stand with me, please. Now, that example of salvation 
process that I just shared, repentance, baptism, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We can hear that and we're like, yeah, that doesn't make sense, but I know it to be true. Okay, so how about where you are today in your walk with God? Are you still trying to get it to make sense for you? Or are you willing to say, God, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'll submit to your will. I don't understand, but I believe your word. And so I'll respond to your word and your will. And notice what Paul said. He said, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let this world system, the world's wisdom, the world's knowledge. You know who the God of this world is, right? Don't let this world tell you how and what to think. And if we're honest with one another, the world has a lot of influence in how and what we think. And Paul is trying to move the church out of that element. Not a little bit, completely. And the Spirit of God, I feel so strongly in my spirit, is working in our lives to say, if you'll trust me, I want to move you not just a little bit, I want to move you completely out of the world system of thinking to where you don't even care what the world says. You don't even care what experts say. All you care is what does the Lord say? What does the Spirit of God speak? What does the Spirit of God want to do? How does the Spirit of God want to use me? I don't understand how spitting in mud and putting it on somebody's eyes and telling them to go wash in a pool makes a blind man see. I don't understand that. But the wisdom of God is above the wisdom of men. And if we as children of God would be willing to say, Lord, not my way, but yours. He's wanting to use every single one of us. But he's not going to use us in the world's wisdom. And we're not going to figure it out. But I feel the beckoning. Of the Spirit of God. I'm telling you. I feel. And you're witnessing it. Many of you here witness it this morning. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. You feel the witness of the Holy Ghost. He's saying I want to use you. But you got to give your mind over to me. Notice what Paul said. Can we leave that verse up there please? Verse 2. Be not conformed to this world. Don't let it shape your thinking. Don't let it shape your living. Don't let it shape your actions. Don't let it shape you in any way or fashion. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't try to fit in. Don't try to make sense. Don't try to appear like it should make sense to the world. If you and I start trying to fit in, we're going to conform. Well, but what will people think? Who cares? I'm not worried about this world. I'm worried about my father, right? No reputation like we talked about Thursday night. Well, yeah, but they're going to think I'm crazy. Some people thought Paul was crazy. I've learned in my short life, a little bit of crazy goes a long way with God anyway. I mean, John the Baptist, right? Locust, wild honey, camel hair out in the wilderness. People probably thought he was a little crazy, but they went out to see what was going on. And the spirit of God began to move. 
that what happened? Lord, there's a person. I'm, I'm just going to keep picking on Zilla this morning. There's a person in Zilla God wants to reach. Anybody interested in being the one he uses? The Lord says, okay, I'm going to use you. Now, you may not like this, but some people are going to beat you, and then they're going to put you in jail in Zilla. Oh, hold on, Lord. Um, I want you to use me to reach somebody in Zilla, but not that way. Maybe we could do something different, Lord. Paul and Silas were beat, put in stocks and bonds in prison in Philippi. And those crazy, see, a little crazy goes a long way with God. That would be a good sermon title, wouldn't it? Those crazy men of God at midnight in the jail, stocks and bonds. Well, you know what? We're here. Silas, I feel a little song coming on. I'd like Paul. Why don't we just sing? You think, Paul? Yeah, let's just sing. Is your back hurting like mine? Yeah, man, still, I feel that blood drying up, those scrapes. It hurts so bad. But let's just sing. Okay, Paul, I'm with you. And Paul and Silas in the prison began to sing. It's in the Word. Read it. They begin to sing. This circumstance doesn't make sense. God, I'm serving you. Why is this happening? Paul, I need you there. You said you were willing to do what I'd ask of you. Trust me. My wisdom is rich. Okay, I'm singing. Lord, let's praise him, Silas. I don't know why, but let's praise him. And the scripture says, Paul and Silas begin to sing praises to God at midnight. And something happened. The power of God moved in that jail. Their chains fell off. Not just Paul's and Silas's. Every person in that jail, their chains fell off. And they fell off. Apparently there was a commotion because the jailer gets up and sees what's going on. Read it in the book of Acts. The jailer gets up and sees what's going on. And he's like, I'm a dead man. I'm responsible for all these people in this prison. And they are all loosed. I'm a dead man. And the jailer takes a sword and is getting ready to thrust himself through and take his life. Because fear has laid hold on him. And Paul says, do yourself no harm. And gets his attention and stops him. And says, we're all here. And the Philippian jailer runs into Paul and Silas there, loosed from their bonds. And he falls, the Bible says, on his knees in front of Paul and says, Tell me, what have I got to do to be saved? Tell me the power and the conviction of the Spirit of God by men that were willing to trust the wisdom of God. And the Bible says, Paul and Silas began to minister to this man. He took them to his own house. Where his family was. And he washed their stripes on their back. Cleaned their wounds. And then sat there as Paul and Silas declared to him in his house. The word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And before he was done he baptized that jailer and his family in the name of Jesus Christ. And the spirit of the Lord came into his house. And then Paul and Silas went back to jail. 
and you go a few chapters later, or a few books later from Acts, and you read a book called Philippians. And the book of Philippians, Paul says, He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of the Lord. How could Paul say that? Because Paul was there when God began the work in Philippi. Where did it start? In some big church building where the power of God fell? It started in a prison where a child of God said, Your ways are above my ways. Your thoughts are above my thoughts. But I'm going to praise you in my bonds. I'm going to praise you in my chains. I'm going to exalt God whose ways are above my... I don't care what the world says about my situation. Your ways are right. Renew my mind. Transform my way of thinking so that I think according to your will, God. I think the thoughts of God, not my own thoughts. Not my own thoughts. Not my own thoughts. Watch this word. I'm sorry, I'm really trying to be done. Don't be, but be transformed, metamorphosized, complete change. Complete change. Not a little change. Complete change. I don't care what your life looks like today. If you're saying this cannot be what my life is. If God's in my life, it's got to be something more. Stay in the process. Complete transformation. Stay in the process. Complete transformation. How does it happen? By the renewing of your mind. That word renewing there in the Greek is the same place you and I get the word renovate from. Now, if I renovate something means I'm not starting from new, right? It means i got to tear some stuff down before I can make it better. Some of you saw this building before we put new windows and trim and paint and carpet and platform, and you saw it in the 1960s, 70s look. Now, we didn't tear down the building, but we renovated and to renovate, we had to scrape popcorn off the ceiling. We had to rip up carpet. And I'm going to tell you something. It was rough, and it was rough before it got better. But if we, but we can't just, wouldn't it have been terrible if we would have just put this new carpet over the top of all that old stuff? Can you imagine if that hardwood flooring that was right here, some of you don't remember this, that hardwood flooring that was here on the wall, if we just left it and just painted over it? Can you imagine if we just left those chandeliers down the middle here and then put all these other lights in? And you'd been like, man, I don't know what in the world is going on in there. But they need a designer. But you know what? Renovation. The renovation of your mind. But you know what we do when we come to God sometimes? Is we're like, God, I want you to change me. But, but don't tear anything down. Maybe you could just put new carpet over the top of the old. Maybe, maybe you could just paint over the hardwood but leave it there. I don't want to go through the pain of that getting ripped out. Maybe you could just leave the chandeliers. I've gotten attached to those over the years, Lord. I know, I know they're not efficient. I know they don't serve your purpose. I, I, but you understand what I'm saying this morning? So the renovation of mine and your mind, this is the transforming process. 
God has to begin to tear out ways of thinking. You know what that means? I have to acknowledge I've been thinking wrong. Pride. I've been thinking wrong. I don't know how to think. But he does. Now call me crazy. A little bit goes a long way with God. I pray this. God, I don't know how to think. God, I get in, I get in the way. Forgive me and help me. God, I don't want to think on my own. I, I pray that, God, I don't want to think on my own. I want my mind to be so empty that the only thoughts I have are thoughts that you're giving and directing. I want to be so given over to your will and your desire that there's no thought that's of myself, that it's simply your mind in me. That the actions I take are the thoughts of God. I'm not telling you I'm there yet. Please don't misunderstand me. But I believe it's where the Holy Ghost would have us to go. And He'll take us there to where the Spirit of God can come and say, I'd like you to go right over here today. And you're like, I don't even understand that, but okay. And I'm just obeying the mind of Christ. And He's working and operating. I'm opening this altar to you. The Spirit of the Lord is inviting you to allow Him to renovate your thinking. And let the Spirit of God... Whatever he's dealing with you, say, Lord, I'll obey. It may not make sense, but I'm determined that I want to be used of you. I want to walk and operate in your will and your purpose. I want your ministry through my life, however you choose. If it's a jail cell because it's the only way to get to the man, so be it, Lord. However you choose, I trust your wisdom that has deep riches. I trust your knowledge that has deep riches. I trust you, Lord. Jesus' name. Come on, yes, the Lord is desiring to use you. There's not a single individual in this room that God does not want to use. But He's taking us to a place where we operate without pride, without reputation, without credit. And we simply say, I'm not even trusting my own thoughts. I'm trusting for the thoughts to come from God. I'm trusting His inspiration in the name of Jesus. Come on, I promise you, He wants to do this in us more than we want Him to do it. Let Him renew your mind. Let Him renew your mind. Let Him renew your mind. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Come on, the renewing of the mind is the transforming process. It takes us from what we once were into all that He intends for us to be that we can never accomplish on our own. And I don't know how it works inside that cocoon for that caterpillar, but something is taking place where men cannot see, but God is working a transformative process.
Not by might nor yet by power, but by your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name. God, I pray with Jessica right now, Lord. You know where she is. You know the circumstances of life that may not make sense. But you're in control. As she yields to you, as she yields to your word and your spirit. I pray divinely direct her steps, oh God. Divinely direct her home. Divinely direct her family. Orchestrate her life for your good and for your purpose. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. not sure you'll cause the storm to cease the rain to end the clouds to break sun will shine again he'll make a way when there is no way oh you'll make a way when there is no doors when your path's not sure you'll cause the storm to cease the rain to end the clouds to break sun will shine again he'll make a way when there is no way the storm the rain the clouds all have to go away. The storm, the rain, the clouds all have to obey. The storm will cease, the rain will end, the clouds will break, sun will shine again. He'll make a way when there is no way.
to cease the rain to end the clouds to break sun will shine again he'll make a way when there is no way you'll make a way when there is no way, you'll open doors. When your path's not sure, you'll cause the storm to cease, the rain to end, the clouds to break, sun will shine again, he'll make a way. When there is no way, the storm, the rain, the clouds all have to go away. The storm, the rain, the clouds all have to obey. The storm will cease, the rain will end, the clouds will break, sun will shine again, he'll make a way when there is no way. Yeah, I'm not sure what they are. 
If you're praying, keep praying, but listen. There is a scripture that we quote oftentimes. It is this, not by might nor yet by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Now, you know, if you've listened any length of time, we've talked many times about how context matters. Context matters, like what we looked at in the word today. Romans 12, 1 and 2 takes on whole new meaning when you see Romans eleven thirty three through 36 and you realize how it flows together. The scripture, not by might nor yet by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, was spoken to Zerubbabel in the Old Testament. He was a rebuilder of the temple. And he did not see how it was possible To the natural man, it wouldn't be possible, given a time of bondage for the children of Israel, that they would have the means and the wherewithal to somehow rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. But God spoke and said, not by might nor yet by power, but by my spirit. What he was saying is, Zerubbabel, this isn't going to be by man's might. This isn't going to be by the power of man. It's not going to be by the world system. You can't think that way, Zerubbabel. You can't get caught into trying to figure it out in your mindset of the world system. Zerubbabel, this temple is going to be rebuilt by the working of my spirit. You say, oh, did the Spirit of God just come and start stacking stones? No, that's not what the Lord was saying. The Lord was telling him, you're not going to be able to manipulate and orchestrate events to get this to happen. But my spirit is already working in the hearts of kings. My spirit is already working in the lives of people. And by my spirit, I'm going to orchestrate people and events. So this temple will be built. But Zerubbabel, it's not going to be because of your might or your power. It's going to be a work of my spirit. Now hear me. Paul said on two occasions in different ways. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Now here, you and I are not going to build or become What God intends us to be by our power or by our might. Our efforts and our abilities. You understand that doesn't mean we just kick back and go, oh, well, God, you got to do it. Here I am. We follow his leading. But you understand when we recognize it's not by my might or by my power. There's no pressure to perform. There's no pressure to produce something. It's simply yielding in the work of the Spirit. And the Spirit of the Lord is still what's going to build the temple. 
You are the temple. I am the temple. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And it's the Spirit of the Lord that's still going to build the temple. And this work that He's going to do and is doing in the earth, in, with, and through us, it's not going to be by our might or by our power. It's going to be by His Spirit as we present our bodies a living sacrifice. And we're transformed as He begins to peel away all the places and all the ways that we held on to the world's way of thinking. As we let Him strip away all the things that were us leaning on our own wisdom and ideas. And we say, okay, God, tell me what to think. Tell me what to do today. Okay, that's not how I do it, but you're God. I'm not. And I'm not trying to be God. Your deal. And I promise you, I promise you, we will see the manifestation of the Spirit of God through our lives for His glory. It's got to be a work of His Spirit. You're going to witness it. You're going to realize. Here's what's going to happen this week. You're going to start. You, you're, something's going to come out of your mouth. You're going to say something. And you're going to catch yourself when you say it. You're going to realize. That's the wisdom of the world. It's going to happen for some of you. You're going to realize. ah, That's the wisdom of the world. Hold on God. What would you have me do here? What is your direction in this matter? I need the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of the world. And God will divinely direct you. And when you see the end, you'll look back and you'll say, I didn't do this. God did this. That's where he's taking us. Not just once or twice. Living and walking in that place every day. Paul, get on that boat. Oh, no, you didn't even get to ask, Paul. I'm going to put you on a boat because you're a prisoner. I know I told you I was taking you to Rome. Woo-hoo, maybe I'll go first class. Oh, no, not really, Paul. Chains. But I'll get you to Rome. Putting you on a boat. Now, I'm not prophesying chains to you, understand? But I'm just telling you, we got to see God in the circumstances rather than trying to get God to change all our circumstances all the time. And if we'll get the mind of Christ, we'll see Him in our circumstances. And we won't always ask Him to change them. The mind of Christ. Amen. Could we thank the Lord together today? One more time. Thank you for your response to the Word of God and reception of the Word today. I feel a shifting of the Spirit in hearts and minds today. There is a work of the Spirit that has and is taking place. It's so clear. And what lies ahead, I'm encouraged. I don't mean lies ahead years down the road. I mean lies ahead this afternoon, tomorrow, this week, where there is a transformative work of the Spirit because we yield to the mind of Christ. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we trust you. Jesus, we stand on your word and your promise. We hold to your way. Give us grace to hold to your way. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.
God bless you. Greet someone. You're dismissed in the precious name of Jesus. For those that are serving and working with Vacation Bible School, please, we're meeting downstairs. If you're not, please take a moment and greet somebody. Fellowship with someone before you just disappear. It's important to greet your brother and sister. Amen.